0: First Peter chapter two. <clears throat> and then we're going to go to Exodus and chapter twenty eight. First Peter chapter two and verse nine says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Now, there's a, Quite a few things we could get from that passage or that verse of scripture. Ye, talking to us as safe individuals, we're chosen, we're we're special people. That's peculiar, means a specially purchased possession. Uh, We're a priesthood. We're royalty. We're children of the King. That's our Savior. Uh, We're to be a holy nation. And we're to show forth to the world. The praises of him, not the things of this world. And showing that we've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Go to Exodus chapter 28. We see an example of this. Exodus chapter 28. <clears throat> Exodus 28, verses 1 and 2 says, Take thou unto the Aaron thy brother and his sons with him, from from among the children of Israel, they minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, and Bihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. Thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother, for glory and for beauty. Look, Drop down to verse 40, verse 39. Thou shalt embroider the coat of fine linen, thou shalt make the miter of fine linen, the miter was the hat, and thou shalt make the girdle of needlework, for Aaron's sons thou shalt make coats, and thou shalt make for them girdles, and bonnets shalt thou make for them for glory and for beauty. Thou shalt put them upon the Aaron thy brother and his sons with him, and shalt anoint them, and consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they minister unto me in the priest's office. So tonight we're looking at dress, and how we ought to dress that is pleasing to the Lord, in a way that is pleasing to the, to the Lord. And so I have three main points, and they are projection, distinction, and protection. Projection, distinction, and protection. And these are some ways, some principles we see in the scripture of how as God's people, as a holy people that's been set apart from the world, saved out of the world, from the corruption of the world, we ought to look different. We ought to fashion ourselves according to... uh, not according to this ignorance of this world, but the holiness of God. So let's pray and look at this. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to open your word. We thank you for the instruction that it gives us. And I pray, Father, that you help us to look at these things as ways to please thee and allow you to search our hearts and to do what's right and pleasing in your sight and not be concerned with what the world says but what what your word says and how we ought to live and conduct ourselves in a way that's pleasing to thee. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we consider this night. First of all, what am I projecting by the way I look? You know, today's uh, modern world, so often people project a... Well, let me say it this way. Any way you dress projects a message. However you dress it it's a it's a message it says something uh you know so often the 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 message of the world is really by their dress down look sloppy uh, out of order you know all that it's a, it's a message of rebellion against authority against accepted norms uh 1 Timothy 2 9 says that women ought to ordain themselves in. Mo- or, uh, uh, does they use the word ordain? I'm trying to remember how the word goes, what the word says. Uh, like manner, adorn themselves in modest apparel. And actually, the word modest there has the idea of well arranged. It's not really talking about what's covering. That's shamefacedness. Uh, that's the idea of shamefacedness there in that passage. But it has the idea of uh, it's apparel that's well arranged or orderly. And it says in like manner in verse nine. So okay guys, that should apply to us too. Uh, don't look like an accident waiting to happen. You know sometimes we we go out in public and we see people that look like, you know, something's about to fall off of them and and they wear them that way on purpose. Uh, that should not be the way we appear or look or that shouldn't be the message we want to give to the world. So you know, the thing we need to ask ourselves, uh, what kind of message or what kind of people, what kind of message are we giving to a, to the world with our dress? Uh, in First Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, to give you a little background of chapter 2 that we just read in verse 9, 1 Peter 1 Verse 13, it says, Wherefore gird up the loins of your mind. By the way, this starts in the mind. Everything starts with the mind. You know, we're to renew our minds. So we need to change the way we think. From when we were saved or went out in the world, we need to change the way we think to what God thinks and bring it in line with what God thinks. So gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. If ye call on a father who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. you need to pass the time of your sojourning, your living here on earth, in the fear and reverence of God, not the fear and reverence of man but the fear and reverence of God, being concerned about what God thinks about your manner of living and how you conduct yourself and how you dress in this world. Uh, <clears throat> here's the reason. Verse 18. For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with a precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So your redemption was costly. It was expensive. So don't dress like shambles. You know, we are, he, he's going to say in verse 9 of chapter 2, we're a chosen generation of royal priesthood. So why should we dress like slobs? You know, I realize I'm not talking to slobs here tonight, but, but you know, uh, th- this is the, often the way the world, you know, uh, conducts it. They, they, it's like they don't care. No, we've been... We've been bought with the precious blood of Christ, so we're a, So, as you think about that, really, what that tells us is God considers you a value as a witness. So, conduct yourself in a manner and dress yourself in a manner that is that shows that you are respectable and of value. Now, where you go is going to determine somewhat how you dress. You know, you're not gonna wear your Sunday clothes to go to the barn to to uh, check birds or, or go to the work at the city of Raleigh necessary or you know, or uh, or open a septic tank or, or, or you go to a construction site, you're not gonna wear your Sunday clothes to do that. You know, you, you dress apart. But 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 wherever we go, we can look in order. Whatever we are, wherever we're working. You know, even, even my paint. You know, when I'm out, when I'm painting, we were over at Andrew and Hannah's painting on Saturday, and I, you know, I wear my uh, my Dickies that have paint splotches on them already, so it doesn't matter if they get paint on them. But you know, my shirt tail's not hanging out, and I'm, not, you know, it's not all ripped up, and it, it, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, so because uh, we've been bought with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And then she drop down to verse 22, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brother, and see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Um, and so we ought to we ought to consider uh, who we are and how we ought to appear and 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 what people will think of us. What we project to the world, by the way we dress, by the way you fix your hair, or comb your hair, uh, just the way we appear. And so, so, these are things that we need to consider. Uh, you know, what, what, what does our clothing make people think of us or concerning us? So, we project, we ought to project an image that glorifies and pleases the Lord, that don't bring, doesn't bring reproach on the Lord. And the second thing we see here tonight is distinction. And, of course, go to Deuteronomy chapter 22. Deuteronomy 22. Probably one of the most hated passages in Scripture. But it's still there. And there are some New Testament uh, cross-references. Anyway, Deuteronomy 22... Verse, tw- verse 5 says, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. So this is the area of distinction. And again, if you go to First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9, uh, the, the distinction is, is here. It's not as easily seen, but the principle is taught. In like manner also the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls, or costly array. Uh, so the, modest, the word apparel here, the word modest means well arranged. The word apparel means a, a garment let down. It's the word uh, katastello in Greek. The, a man's garment is referred to as a stello. A woman's garment is referred to as a katastello, and it simply means the hem let down. Because people will say, well, you know in, in, you know, in Bible times, men and women wore robe-like things. They did. But there was a difference between the two. One was longer than the other. There has always been a distinction in men and women's dress. Uh, it may not be as evident as, man, as pants and skirts are in, 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 are in American or Western culture, but there's always been that. Uh, so, you know, this is, and this is a, and something will say, well, that's under the law. Well, this, remember, note that it says this, that all that do so are an abomination unto God. This is a moral law. It's something that offends God. When he was giving the, when, when Moses, under inspiration, of course, the Lord gave the dietary laws, for example. He said that certain meats were an abomination unto you. He didn't say it was an abomination unto God. He said it was an abomination unto you. Uh, and, and, of course, uh, that's the difference there. It, was, it wasn't an abomination to the Lord. So this is something that does not change And. and uh, you know, other things that are abomination unto God, sodomy, prostitution, unjust weights, uh, dishonest business practices, making in light, all those things are an abomination, Lord, just like, and those things are eternal. It, it, God hasn't changed his mind on those, neither has he changed his mind about a distinction between men and women. Now, there are two areas given in the Bible that, Men and women should be distinct from each other and display that distinction. The other area, of course, is hair. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 3 says I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is the man, and the head of God, Christ is God. Every man or man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. Every woman that prayeth or prophesyeth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn, but if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, that means to cut her hair short, let her be covered, in other words put a veil over it. Um, or wear long hair. For a man, indeed, ought not to cover his head, forasmuch as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. So the man ought not to cover his head with hair. We're going to get more descriptive here as this goes on, but he ought not to cover his head with hair. Uh, For the man is not of the woman, the woman of the man, verse 8. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. You know, God made woman to complete man. We, we heard that in Genesis in Sunday school class last Sunday. For this ought, cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is a man without the woman. You know, if you didn't have any women, there wouldn't be any men either. But in the Lord, verse 12, For as the woman is of the man, even so the man also by the woman, but God, all things are of, of God. Judging yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God unco- uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that a man have long hair or have his head covered? As we read earlier in, uh, what is it, verse uh, 7. So, if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. Now, I've had people say, well, it's, it's a shame, but it's no big deal. No, the word shame means dishonor or a disgrace. It is disgraceful for a man to have long hair. It's disgraceful. You know, we, we, the, the word shame to us in our modern culture doesn't have, you know, bad... But, but really what it means is it's vile. It's disgraceful to God. And that, the word long means when it hangs down. When it hangs down. Uh, and you shouldn't have to ask... Is mine too long? If you're asking if it's too long, it's too long. But verse fifteen says, "If a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for what? A covering to cover her head." So what, what he's saying is that you know he's talking about order of authority in the church and in the home. You know, there's God the Father, there's God the Son, there's the man, then there's the woman. That's, the, that's, a, that's, that's his, his order of authority, and the man is to be submissive to the woman. That's how he created her. And, and so to show that or demonstrate that, a woman is to have long hair. It shows she's in submission. She's under authority. Uh, and you know, it's interesting, the world even admits this. Um, I have an article here somewhere. Um, There was a, uh, well, I think I brought it. Yeah, here it is. Um, She's a um, rap singer or something, anyway. Demi Lovato. Uh, This was in 2021, April 16th. And she used to have long, wavy black hair, nice black hair. you know there was pictures of her in this article anyway, but she decided that she was going to cut it off and and this is what she said quote, "I cut my hair because I just wanted to be to free myself of all the gender and sexuality norms that were placed on me as a Christian in the south unquote so the So the gender and sexuality norms is that a woman has long hair, so she cut it off to free herself of all those norms. And so uh, she said, I wasn't subscribing to an ideal or belief placed upon me to be something that I'm not, and so on. Um, You know, so this 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 is, but this is a, this is a distinction that God has established. You know, there, again, there's two two areas here: uh, a dress and um, and clothing. And you know, as we think about these distinctions concerning Deuteronomy 22:5, especially, um, <clears throat> almost all commentators of a hundred years ago agree on this point. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure what the modern ones would say about it. I usually don't use the modern ones very much. But anyway, uh, Jameson from James Fawcett Brown, 1871, and I'm going to read part of his his uh, describing of Deuteronomy 22, 5, says, they were forbidden for the adoption of the halib- ha- habiliments, in other words, the characteristics, furnishings, equipment, or clothing, of the one sex by the other, is an outrage on decency It obliterates the distinctions of nature by fostering softness and effeminacy in the man, impudence and boldness in the woman, as well as levity and hypocrisy in both. And in short, it opens the door to an influx of so many evils that all who wear the dress of another sex are pronounced an abomination unto the Lord. And I think you'd have to agree with me that we're living in a day when men are becoming feminine and women women, masculinize. By the way, that's, a, that's one of the, the goals of transferring, changing a country from, from a, uh, a free republic to a communist su- or socialist su- society. Anyway, Matthew Henry, 1662-1714, uh, he was Presbyterian. He, he says, quote, The distinction of the sexes by the apparel is to be kept up, for the preservation of our own and our neighbor's chastity. Nature itself teaches us that a difference to be made between their hair length and by the same rule in their clothes, which therefore ought not to be confounded either in ordinary wear or occasionally. Colin uh, Dietrich, 1813-1898, uh, as the property of a neighbor was to be sacred in the estima- estimation of an Israelite, so also the divine distinction of the sexes, which was kept sacred in civil life by the clothing peculiar to each sex, was not to be less than even more, even, not to be less, but even more sacredly observed. And he says, to maintain the sanctity of that distinction of the sexes, which was established by the creation of man and woman, and relation to which Israel was not to sin. Every violation or wiping out of this distinction, such even, for example, as the emancipation of a woman, was unnatural and therefore an abomination in the sight of God. And, of course, we could go on. Uh, So, distinction. God wants to maintain a distinction. To to blur the lines of distinction causes confusion. I'm sure you've had the same experience that I've had on occasion where you, you're you out in public and you see somebody from a little distance and you can't tell what it is, whether it's a man or a woman. It could be either or. Um, yesterday, not yesterday, I think it was yesterday, I was in the post office. And there was this thing standing at the counter with its back to me and it talked like a woman. But the size of it told me it wasn't a woman. I mean, it was six foot, probably two, at least. And although it was broader at the hips than it was at the shoulders, yet I thought, that doesn't quite look like the physiology of a woman, you know. And, uh, and, but, you know, you're talking to the lady here behind the counter. And then when it turned around, Even though it was overweight, you've seen pictures, I'm sure, of Biden's um, health secretary, the the transgender man uh, with blonde, nice long blonde hair. Well, that's what he reminded me of. That's what I thought. It was sickening. Sickening. Here's an effeminate man. And it's sickening. It's sickening. And one of the commentators, I think it was one of the commentators, said oh no. Um in in uh, David Cloud has a book out called uh Biblical Guidelines for Clothing. And and in that book, uh one of the things the author, who was Bruce Pastor Bruce Lecay, said that that what it does is it 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 uh makes men effeminate and destroys the, the hunter, the protector image, you know, uh, losing this distinction uh, between uh, uh, sexes. Uh, so so there, there, God wants a, a distinction. By the way, it was divinely ordained. He's the one that set it in place. He made them male and female, and there was to be a distinction there uh, the third thing that we see is protection. Go at matthew five and verse twenty eight Matthew chapter five and verse twenty eight <clears throat> Verse twenty-seven. Also, ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, "Thou shalt not commit adultery." But I say unto you, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already with her in his heart. Uh, so this is for protection, and of course the idea here is we'd be, you know, uh, we're, to, we're to wear clothing that's well arranged, attire that's modest, that commands respect, speaks of character and virtue, and not the attire of a harlot. Look at. Look at Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 10. Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 10. It says, Proverbs seven ten says, Behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a an harlot and subtle of heart. And it goes on and describes her, you know, loud, stubborn, and so on and so forth. But she's recognized or judged as a harlot. By what she's wearing. By what she's wearing. Uh, in other words, or what she's not wearing, or what she's revealing, you might say. Uh, chapter 6, verse 25, also says, Lest not after beauty in thine heart, neither let her take her with the eyelids. So, so this, is, this is the, you know, clothing has a message, and God says we ought to dress certain ways to protect ourselves from temptation. Uh, you know, a miniskirt has a message, a very vivid one. Uh, you know, we're, this is, for, for ladies, this is protection from being objectified as an object for sexual gratification. There was an article in Intellectual Takeout, this was in 2017, and a doctor explains why it's not prudish to encourage modesty, and, uh, and this is kind of a lengthy article, but anyway, it says, uh, quote, when high school girls in Los Angeles showed up to school in spaghetti straps and off the shoulder tops, the dress code was deemed outdated. When actress Mayim Bellick and Olympian Gabby Douglas suggested that dressing modestly might protect girls against predatory attacks from individuals like Harvey Weinstein, both were nearly run out of the town on a rail. What these incidents suggest is that anyone who hints that modest dress is appropriate helpful for females is irrational, out of touch, and completely unaware of a woman's mindset and needs. But according to one doctor, such an opinion is opposed to reality. Writing in Psychology Today, medical doctor Leonard Sachs takes on the issue of school dress codes. Sachs, also an advocate for common sense parenting, explains that research shows a decided academic disadvantage for girls who dress in more revealing clothing. Even in an isolated and private room, young women dressed in swimsuits perform much worse than those in sweaters when given a math quiz. The opposite is true for men. The reason for this, Sachs explains, is simple. Quote, we actually have quite a bit of research now on what happens when a girl or woman wears skin-tight leggings or a swimsuit. Often what happens is self-objectification. The girl or woman assesses herself as an object on display for others and the more public the setting the more likely the self-objectification occurs and self-objectification is distracting it's hard to concentrate on Spanish grammar when you're wondering if this outfit makes your thighs look fat girls who self-objectify are also more likely to become depressed they're less likely to be satisfied with their body they're more likely to engage in self-harm and so on Uh, so, you know, this, 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 is, this is, you know, dress standards really are a means of protection from objectification, not only from yourself, but from others. Uh, I clipped this out of a paper I used to get some years ago, and it's uh, written by Thomas Eves, Sr., uh, at a Broad Street banner, and the title of it is, Visitors Must Be Appropriately Dressed. And he says this, quote, several weeks ago, I visited a youth development center in the state of Tennessee. The facility was very modern, except for the guards and high chain link fences. One could envision himself as being on a junior college campus. Entering the outer office, waiting area and receptionist office, I came face to face with a bulletin board. And one rather bold notice stated in clear language, quote, visitors must be appropriately dressed. Underwear and bras must be worn. No halter tops, no shorts, no revealing clothing, unquote. I commented to our guide about this notice and he said Inappropriate clothing causes problems. I thought to myself, the world recognizes what some Christians fail or refuse to see. Truly some of those in the world are wiser than some in the church of our Lord. Members of the body of Christ often feign ignorance and ask, Well, just what is modest? The world replies, holder tops, shorts, revealing clothing is immodest, inappropriate dress, and inappropriate clothing causes problems and that it does. And so, you know, the reason we put up fences or put fences in the mind of our children is for their protection. God puts fences in his word for our protection. They're for our protection. And you know, these guidelines that he give us in this in this word, you know, uh, not only protect us but will help us to glorify him and not pattern ourselves after the world if you go to 1 Peter chapter 1 again it says and not fashion yourself according to the uh, the things that, the the world or the fashions or the lusts uh, former lusts in your ignorance but as he which has called you is holy be ye holy in all conversation so so we are, we are, we are to be seen, uh, we are not to be seen to please man, but we are to be seen to please God. Please God. Now, you might ask, well, what will it make, a question we need to ask is, what will it make others think of me? Uh, what will make others think of me? In, uh, in this book, pages 14... Uh, And 15, page 15, the writer quotes from McCall's magazine, which, by the way, is not a Christian magazine. I don't even know if it's still in print. But, but the title is "What Your Intimate Behavior Says About You," and and this is pretty plain. And he goes on. He he quotes the, the article says this: "Quote the female legs have also been the subject of considerable male interest as sexual signaling devices." the more exposure of leg flesh has been sufficient to transmit sexual signals. Needless to say, the higher the exposure goes, the more stimulating it becomes for the simple reason that it approaches the genital zone. Uh, and it goes on to say, quote, The first way to accent is to employ articles of clothing which underline the nature of the organs hidden beneath them. And for, for the female, this means wearing trousers. Again, this is out of McCall's magazine. Uh, so you can the way to emphasize the nature of the organs of the body is by wearing clothing trousers, shorts, or bathing costumes that by their tightness reveal um, you know getting back to what people think about me or how do I think about myself or what my what my appearance how does it make me think about myself there's a this was in the Richmond Times dispatch uh and the writer of the article was Anthony Cerboni, and he was a personal manager for a large corporation. He would interviewed 14,000 men for jobs over the past years he'd been there. And this is what he said about a person's hair, what a person's hair at length tells them about him. Uh, he said, the left-wingers generally have long hair. They, quote, they reject self-discipline, authority, regulation, proven logic, and reasoning. They are more easily swayed by popular opinions and propaganda. They tend to accept and do anything if somebody simply suggests it's a style. Many employers find that they tend to be more dreamers than doers. Where they reverse is the trend on men with short hair. Why is it so? Mainly, it is due to a self-centered personality, unquote. He goes on and says, quote, The liberal left-wingers seem to be more selfish and only aspire to goals that will benefit them individually, regardless of what it costs others. They actually believe that long hair is beautiful on a man, and they feel naked without it. They try to make up for lack of ability by attracting attention or becoming a sex symbol. Long-haired liberals also reject the basic hunter-warrior responsibilities of man. This is a man who interviewed 14,000 men over the years for a corporation. So they reject the basic hunter-warrior responsibilities of man. They seem to think that society should provide for them and that someone else should guarantee protection. Sounds like the hippies of the 60s and the dodge the war draft, right? Or else they don't really believe that there are any enemies. In fact, some tend to bow before enemies, hoping to gain friendship. Unquote. Do you remember a couple years ago, there was this young couple. Uh, I think, I think they were like 27, 28, a, a guy and a girl, who just they just they were peaceniks. You know, they thought they thought there was no enemies in the world, and so they were gonna they were gonna prove it by bicycling around the world. And they got into Pakistan. And they're bicycling along. But they don't have any enemies. And all of a sudden, a car drives up. And four guys jump out and open fire and shoot them. And then the driver runs over them with his car. And they jump in the car and they all drive off. See, they believed that this idea that Muslims and terrorists, Muslims are really bad people, that's just imagination (laughs) We don't have any enemies. Nobody would do that to us. That's a denial of reality of life. And it's really what this guy is saying is, you know, men with long hair tend to be this way. They've lost the basic responsibility that God inbred into human being, a man particularly, to fight for what is his and to provide for what is his. You know, when men reject that, then they think the government owes them a living. Does that sound familiar in our society? So, you know, we have to ask ourselves, what would make others think about us? And, and so, as we think about this tonight, I want to have there's some conclusions that were written in this book I thought were very good, and i could like to share them with you. Uh, number one, make sure your convictions are biblically based. You know, we see tonight that there's God wants us to dress for distinction. He wants us to dress in a way that's glorifying to the Lord. You know, doesn't bring reproach upon us by being uh, our clothing being out of order and just you know, uh, you know, which you just no, you just didn't take any time to to pre- make yourself presentable to the public. Uh, and, and and for our protection. Number two. When you have a conviction, be firm. So don't waver no matter where you are or who you're with. You know, if it's wrong to wear a bathing suit walking down the street, then it's wrong to do it out on the beach with public swimming too. It's wrong to do it have a, beach, a swimming party at your house and everybody wearing, wearing bathing suits. You know, the water doesn't have anything to do with it. So you know, be firm about it. Number three, be kind when you have convictions. You know, don't be a smart aleck when you have to express yourself or give give a reason. Be kind. Don't be angry, snappy. Be kind about it. You know, a lot of times people won't understand, and if they're not going to understand, don't try to you know, don't spend a lot of time trying to explain yourself. But just be kind about it. Number four, don't act superior. Don't act like you're better than somebody else. Uh, That is what you will often get. Well, you just think you're better than us. No. No, we just think this is pleasing to the Lord. And uh, uh, So, uh, number five, if you have to talk to somebody about these things, deal with the heart first. Really, the issue isn't what I'm wearing. The issue is... Am I willing to do, from the heart, what pleases the Lord? What pleases the Lord? You know, these are just outer things. They're just outer things, and so, you know, it's really a matter of the heart. Uh, one one lady wrote a book, you know, dress the matter of the heart, and it is a matter of the heart. And so, we needed to do these things uh, from the heart, uh, and you know understanding that they that they please the Lord and we do it to please the Lord and because we're following him and not being dictated by the world. You know three three simple guides. I've heard this quite often, I'm sure you have too to proper clothing. Loose. Three L's. Loose. If it's tight, it's not modest. That's General rule. If it's tight, it's not modest. Long. Uh, both north and south. Let me explain that. It should cover the knee, and it should cover enough up to the neck. To cover, uh, especially on you ladies cover cleavage. So, so both long, both north south. You know, And we get that from Isaiah 47, where it says, make bare the leg, and it's talking about it above the knee. Uh, um, they were to make breeches for Aaron and the priest so that they went up the steps into the altar their thighs would not appear so they were covered so again so they were covered uh, to the knee so long and then thirdly layered, layered. Um, when you when you're layered it prevents accented figures or or things so loose Long and layered; uh, those are good guides to go by. But we do need to remember, you know, God desires that we maintain distinction. God has different purposes and roles for a man and a woman. And I really believe that the the escalation of homosexuality and perversion in our country has a lot to do with. Uh, Women's lib and the feminism, you know, the, the, the feminism being put, or the, uh, uh, not feminism, is not the word I want, femininity being pushed on men. And, uh, and so uh, that has certainly, I believe, proliferated um, this perversion in our society. Now, God made us man and female. He made us distinct, and He desires to maintain that distinction that we fulfill the roles that he has given us and the preservation of a civil society so let's pray heavenly father we do thank you again for your word thank you for the instruction it gives us and i pray you would help us as your people just to be faithful in these areas and help us to have understanding to seek to please thee and lord i just pray that we'd have willing hearts to do that which even the least commandments we know that We will be rewarded even for the least commandments that you've given us in your words. So just help us, we pray, to glorify and honor you in these areas. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.